0: Linda Ballesteros.
1: Hey folks, this is Linda Ballesteros. I'm your host today and this is All Things Franchising. So thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I know that time is that one commodity that you can't get back, so I'm always honored when someone spends some time with me. So today we're going to be talking about the commercial real estate industry, and we all know that um, the real estate market has just kind of gone a little bonkers, and just for your reference, today is May 31st of 2022, so depending on when you listen to this, but you'll understand that the real estate market has um, really um Experienced a few ups and downs, and some of that, like any other business, is attributed to the pandemic. Um, but I read an article and it talked about the twenty twenty two commercial real estate outlook, and it said that it's twenty twenty two is going to be very strong. Um, there was a quote in there from J P. Morgan Chase, and they said. 2022 looks positive for commercial real estate, and it is uh, predicted to rebound, not just rebound, but thrive. So that is going to be the topic of discussion today. My guest today is Greg Aguirre and he is the president of Capitol River Commercial Real Estate. He started his career in home build in the home building industry, handling site acquisitions and entitlements for both a private builder and a large national builder. He soon learned that his true passion was in retail commercial real estate. So please help me in welcoming Greg to the show. Greg, welcome to the show today.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, Greg, since the last time you were on the show, which was
2: several years ago, it things was. have changed just a bit, haven't they? Just a little. Yeah, this yeah. thing called COVID kind of interrupted things. Yeah
1: yeah well it, you know, and it impacted a lot of different industries and i know real estate certainly had to have been uh impacted as well so greg before we get started tell me a little bit about yourself and for those that haven't heard your prior interview um why did you decide to launch capital river
2: yeah sure i'll i'll make it uh, brief but uh you know, I, uh, as you'd mentioned um, in the intro, you know, started out pursuing a career in the uh, home building industry, um, you know, and then the, uh, the real estate market took a turn in kind of the early 2000s and, um, you know, with subprime mortgages and all of that, you know, whole debacle, um, things changed mm-hmm. And so I shifted and went into um, the retail side of the business, commercial real estate uh, retail side and did development work for uh, CVS Pharmacy as they were expanding in California. And they ultimately acquired Long's Drugs and then um, went over to J.P. Morgan Chase and uh, opened a lot of new uh, branches for them, both ground up construction and uh, redevelopment of existing facilities. And then um, the banking regulations changed, went over to Sleep Train, ran their real estate department, um, and then ultimately they sold to mattress firm, um, you know, to be quite honest, I, I, was, I was, I was good at corporate real estate, but it wasn't my passion. And I was, you know, um, not think like ever going to climb that corporate ladder just cause I, mm-hmm. you know, I always had different ideas of how to do things. And, um, you know, always was, had that entrepreneurial, um, spirit and mindset. And so when sleep train sold the mattress firm, I quit my job and, uh, Decided I would start capital rivers commercial. We started as a uh, single tenant net lease development company And I had some partners um, that provided some equity and we built uh, You know a buffalo wild wings Chili's uh, We did CVS pharmacy um, Starbucks a couple of Popeyes and then a number of other um, single tenant uh, development projects and then accru into developing a brokerage division and so we've got you know a, a full service brokerage team um, that specializes in landlord leasing tenant rep business investment sales and then we also have our um, asset management and property management division so we've grown grown significantly um you know over the last uh you know a little over eight years and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. just just love love commercial real estate and and you know, what we do. So, love helping people.
1: You know, I recognized, of course, I recognize some franchise names and concepts in there. So, tell me how you, how do you work with some of the franchise concepts out there, Greg? Um, Do you work with, directly with the franchisors or do the franchisees come to you and what does that look like?
2: Yeah, uh, so both. We work with both franchisors and franchisees. um, And, uh, you know, it kind of depends on, you know, the size of the organization and their needs. Um, You know, an example, uh, we represent uh, the MELT, which is a newer concept. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we work with the franchisor. um, And, uh, you know, a lot of their locations are corporate. Um, But, um, you know, we help them find, uh, you know, new sites. And um, we also work with um, the world of sourdough, which is a franchise uh, concept. And so, you know, we help the franchisor uh, put together, you know, their real estate program and kind of their site selection criteria and, you know, act as an outsourced real estate department for them. And then when they secure a new franchisee, we... um, we help that franchisee, uh, you know, find the right site that ne- that meets the needs of, um, you know, the requirements uh, set forth by the franchisor. You know, we want to make sure that we find the best real estate for them, and that they get the best lease terms, and you know, the best signage, and all of the things that are necessary for them to be successful uh, as a franchisee and and with that brand, um, you know, so. So we work, you know, and and a a number of different, I mean, we could have a whole conversation just based on, you know, the the things that we do for both franchisors and franchisees, but really what it kind of comes down to is, you know, understanding the concept, understanding the franchisor's needs and goals, and then also understanding the franchisee's needs and goals, and then, you know, helping both of them, uh, you know, achieve success, because, you know the the franchisor is successful when the franchisee is successful and paying royalties and representing the brand appropriately and the franchisee is successful successful when the franchisor is successful you know it's a symbiotic relationship and so mm-hmm. we're we're kind of that uh intermediary that helps bridge that gap and ensure that there's clear communication and um you know from the real estate side of things that that those needs are being met
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, most definitely. You know, and Greg, I know that we've spoken um, in the green room about this. That this year, I'm I'm focusing a lot on wealth building with franchising, and right. um, it never occurred to me, Greg, until you and I spoke that there is an opportunity for a franchisee to uh, acquire commercial real estate to add to their portfolio. Tell me a little bit about how you work with maybe some of the franchisees um, to not only own a, a, a territory, a location, but to also build their investment portfolio
2: with commercial real estate. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think a, a good quote that kind of sums up the benefits is, uh, you know, the founder of McDonald's, Ray Kroc, he said, I'm not in the hamburger business. My, my business is real estate. And, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, we all know McDonald's and, um, you know, they're certainly a, a QSR brand that's well-recognized across the world. But more importantly, or maybe equally important uh, of importance is that they, you know, they've made a lot of money in real estate. And, um, you know, they're obviously a, a large-scale example of, of how you can make money in real estate with a, um, you know, franchise concept. There's a lot of others uh, at a smaller level. You know, one example that comes to mind is, uh, you know, we had a client that owned, you know, portfolio of Burger Kings. Um, he was a franchisee, right? And, um, you know, when he could, he would try to acquire the real estate, either, you know, do through ground-up construction, he'd build the Burger King or he'd buy an existing, You know qsr and and retrofit it but he would own the real estate or he would lease the real estate and try to get an option to purchase the real estate or write a first refusal Um, so if the if the owner of the real estate ever sold he had an option to go buy it and um, what he ultimately did was he built the business um, you know very successful you know uh, Burger King uh, franchisee and then he ultimately sold the business kept the real estate the organization that purchased his business then leased the real estate back from him mm-hmm. and now he um, he has these very valuable um, you know real estate uh, you know this very valuable real estate portfolio where he's getting you know uh, income um, from the from the tenant and he's the landlord and so that was his essentially his retirement plan and and I would almost argue and i think that this might be accurate is that he made more money on the real estate side than mm-hmm. he did on the uh, selling of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so you could definitely, you know, there's some, some benefits there. Um, you know, it's, you got to be kind of careful because, um, you know, I, one, one challenge that we see with some franchisees is that, uh, you know, they might not financially be in the position initially when they're first starting out. Uh, to take on the additional um, expense and uh, liability that comes with owning real estate, you know, they're as uh, they're growing their 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 franchise and their company, um, you know, their primary focus should be on that, you know, being successful in their in that primary mm-hmm. business. Um, but as you as you grow, or, or um, you know, depending on your level of sophistication and, and available uh, capital, you know, taking a look at the real estate component, you know, is is super important. Um, you know, some of the benefits, for example, I'll just kind of go down the list here: is security, right? So, you know, as a franchisee, um, you know, if you go lease space in a just call it grocery anchored shopping center, um, assuming that that's that's the best suited type of real estate for that franchise brand. Um, you know, you, you might invest a significant amount of capital in the tenant improvement. Um, and, you know, it is secured by a lease. So you've got a, a commitment from the landlord that so long as you pay your rent and you follow through with your obligations under the lease, you're going to have, you know, the, the rights to this space. However, at some point, that lease is going to come due and you're either going to renew the lease, um, you know, likely at at a higher rent than than you previously had, or the lease is going to expire and maybe the landlord has a better tenant uh, that they mm-hmm. want to put in there. So, you know, you, you've got some risk from the, the standpoint that you don't have full control of the underlying real estate where you built your business and you've got loyal customers and you've built... This reputation in that community, um, and you might have to go find another location or you know mm. uh, relocate. And maybe there isn't a site that's as good, right? So, owning the real estate obviously you're in control, which then gives you, um, you know, it gives you that security. Um, you know, along those lines as well is when you enter into a lease agreement. Sometimes there's restrictions in that lease agreement, whether it be an exclusive, you know. Um, you know, let's say you're a, uh, I'll just use, you know, world of sourdough, so a, a higher end uh, sandwich QSR. You know, the landlord might place restrictions that you can't sell certain products, um, you know, or you can't, uh, you know, um, advertise, you know, within the center in a certain way, you know, place sandwich boards out front or or whatnot. You know, so there's restrictions in place. Um, Whereas if you own the real estate, you know, you, you, you don't have those same restrictions. So it allows you to grow the business the way that you feel that, you know, is, is best suited for that brand. Um, and, and again, you know, we can get into a lot of detail on all of these topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll try to keep it high level. But yeah, I think security is probably the number one benefit to, to looking at owning the real estate, um, you know, where you're, your are you're, you're Franchise operates. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, Greg, when you think about it, um, some of those, uh, like a, a sandwich franchise, you might mm-hmm. find them, not necessarily find them in a freestanding building, but you might find them in a strip center. And it, it yeah, was, generally I, you do, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, sometimes I've even advised some of my clients to look at a strip center that had several um, vacancies and consider um, opening two franchises that complement each other you know whether it point. is the sandwich um, shop and then maybe An there ice cream is shop
2: or yogurt absolutely shop or, absolutely
1: yeah. but then when you start looking at um, well how about considering purchasing that small strip center and then the whole thing is yours
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And there's other considerations as well, right? So the type of financing that, that, um, you know, is available to acquire that real estate, you know, if, uh, if you're going to use an SBA loan, you know, you've got to, you know, your business has to occupy a certain percentage of that building, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, typically it's over 50%. So if you buy a, you know, 10,000 square foot building, but you're only occupying 2000 square foot, Square feet for your business, then an SBA loan is probably not going to work. But if you're acquire, you know, buying a 5,000 square foot building, and you know maybe it's a single franchise or you've got two franchises that you, that you own and you're you know occupying 75% of that building, well now you can take mm-hmm. advantage of some SBA financing options, which are really great options. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just from an interest rate standpoint and also um, you know the amount of capital that's required as a down payment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you really got to kind of look, look at the, at the details, um, you know, and, and evaluate, uh, the asset both from, you know, what's in the best interest of the business first and foremost, and then look at it from an investor standpoint, you know, what, is this a good investment and, and separate the two to make sure that they can stand alone. Right. Cause the last mm-hmm. thing you want to do, and I've seen this before is a franchisee, really, really wants to own the real estate. So they compromise, um, you know, and, and acquire a piece of real estate that's not ideal for the franchise, that for their no. brand. And now their brand suffers. And they were relying mm. on that, that brand to generate revenue to pay the mortgage. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. you just have to be very careful that you're looking at them as, um, you know, one, what's best for my franchise and for the brand? Is this the best location to be successful? And then two, you know, is this, is this the best investment?
1: Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, Greg, this is maybe not for that novice who is purchasing maybe one location of um, a smoothie king and they they really don't have that experience maybe just yet in a few years they may be able to do that but this is more high level investing i would say and for someone who uh, has some has the capital they're not going to be relying on uh, getting a paycheck from that Smoothie King two weeks after it opens, and they're going to have to have some money uh, to put up and be part of the and you know just invest in it. Be have some skin in the game.
2: Um, it's yeah, it's well, something absolutely. that has to be
1: planned, isn't it?
2: It is absolutely. I mean, for mm-hmm. example, you know, if it's a, a standalone QSR and you're going to go buy a piece of raw land and and build a new um fast food restaurant you know it could be anywhere from a million to two million plus yeah you know in terms of the construction and the ff and e and you know the entire project and so not only do you need the capital to go build the facility but then you need you know the capital to get the business up and running and operating and mm-hmm. you know so you've got to have some pretty deep pockets um mm-hmm. and then you also have to have the right um the right team because now you're not only a a franchisee but you're you know kind of playing that developer role um mm-hmm. you know so you just got to make sure that uh that you do your planning that you're um i think honest with yourself about you know what you can take on what your financial capacity is mm-hmm. you know if right now maybe it's not the right timing maybe it is a couple years down the road once you build the business and you open multiple locations and you generate you know, some really great cash flow. And then you use that cash flow um, to go to your bank and secure a construction loan or acquisition loan for that strip retail center or for that ground up construction. Um, so it really comes down to, as you mentioned, kind of the, the pre-planning and, you know, just being really honest with yourself and having the right team members, um, you know, brokers and lenders and... You know, to sit down and say, you know, is this, is this the right strategy right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, perhaps it's it's not, or or maybe it is. You know, um, there's a lot of factors at play. You know, but the good thing is, you know, using your business, especially if it's a proven franchise business uh, model, and it starts to you know become successful and you're generating cash flow. You know, when you go to the the lender, whether it's an SBA um, you know program or a conventional uh, you know mortgage. Um, you know, they're going to look at the brand, right? Is it a strong brand? And, you know, if it's something that's a, a proven franchise model, um, you know, lenders look really favorable upon that versus, you know, if it's kind of a new concept that maybe um, hasn't been fully proven or you've, you started it on your own, um, you know, there's there's definitely benefit to having that, that existing um, successful franchise model and the support from the franchisor, and then having that, that cash flow uh, and working capital, you know, you can get some, uh, you know, uh, kind of preferred financing, um, you know, on the commercial side for that acquisition or, or construction, uh, you know, of the, of the real estate as you build kind of your real estate portfolio going forward.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times is your team, your team. And folks, you know, you have heard me talk about getting your team of trusted advisors together. Now, if you are considering commercial real estate to be a piece of that, then part of your team needs to be Greg, a commercial uh, um, real estate broker. It needs to be uh, a lender. It needs to be people that are, are savvy and knowledgeable about commercial real estate. So you would want to include them as part of the discussions as you decide to bring in this commercial real estate. Isn't that right, Greg?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's it's absolutely critical. I mean, I I would say that that also includes your, you know, your uh, CPA or your accountant, your tax advisor. Um, You know, one of the the major benefits to owning commercial real estate is the depreciation component. Um, You know, right now, there's also, uh, you know, the benefit of bonus depreciation, you know, so in 2022, for example, you can do a cost segregation study, which essentially takes all of the various components of that that building or you know that that physical real estate breaks it out based on the individual depreciation schedule for each component and accelerates it and You can get hundred percent of that bonus depreciation in twenty twenty two and then that fades out to eighty percent in twenty twenty three and then uh you know it, it continues to reduce unless of course um you know, uh, it's decided that, uh, you know, the government wants to, um, you know, reset that back to, you know, some other percentage at some point, but that can provide, you know, uh, that accelerated depreciation can provide significant uh, tax benefits mm-hmm. to offset, uh, you know, gains from the from the operation of the business, um, you know, because what I always look at is, you know after I pay my my tax bill what's what's in my pocket at the end of the day mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. after tax cash flow um you know top line you know uh, gross sales obviously is very important um you know bottom line is is almost more important, but then you know what is my what is my after tax cash flow what are the do- you know how much of every dollar that I make do I get to keep after I pay taxes? that's mm-hmm. what I really look at and focus on and so you know, there's some significant benefits to owning, um, you know, commercial real estate to help offset, you know, some gains that you might have, um, and so you know, there's there's a lot that's involved with that. Obviously, there's 1031 exchanges and, you know, a number of different things that you can do on the on the tax side of things. Um, but um, you know, again, that that's a huge benefit to owning commercial real estate and looking at. You know, how do you take advantage of the franchise model, you know, whether you're a single franchisee or you've got multiple franchises, and use commercial real estate as a tool to increase your personal wealth? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that, that's an important component.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, Greg. Is now a good time to purchase
2: commercial real estate? <laughs> kind of a loaded question because it depends um it, it if if your business is doing well you're cash flowing and you can afford uh you know to make that payment uh without putting your business at risk then i would say yes um mm-hmm. with the asterisk that um again you need to get your team involved um tax advisor real estate broker um, CPA, you don't really evaluate that decision, just to make sure you're looking at it from all, all aspects. But, um, if you can control your destiny, um, and it, it doesn't create a situation where you're over leveraged and putting your business at risk, I think it absolutely does. I mean, you know, on one, you know, one side, you know, Real estate's very expensive right now as the market's kind of rebounded coming out of COVID. You know, price per square foot, you know, uh, on, on most assets is, is at kind of an all-time high with maybe the exception of like office. Um, and cap rates are at an all-time low, uh, which means that the prices are high. However, um, you know, commercial mortgage rates are also, uh, although going up, are mm-hmm. relatively speaking still incredibly low. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of lenders, it's, you know, a couple of, uh, percentage points above the five-year treasury. So it's somewhere, you know, uh, long-term debt, somewhere between, you know, five, five and a half percent, which is, you know, f- historically really cheap. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so in a lot of cases, you know, your, your mortgage payment, plus you've got to look at your, you know, what we call triple net expenses, taxes, insurance, utilities, all of those things um, you know, can be the same or less than what you're paying in rent. And if you look at that and you evaluate, okay, as a percentage of my business, does that, you know, is that sustainable, you know, and, and can I still run a healthy business? Then the answer is yes, you should do, Mm -hmm. you should purchase, you know, the real estate. Um, but a lot of it depends on the timing, you know, of, of where that, in, you know, investor or where that franchisee is at in their business cycle and how much available capital they have, right? So sure. It's a very individualized decision.
1: And I'm sure um, that it depends on statement. it depends on the part of the country that you're in is looking at as well, because that's all very yeah, different absolutely. too, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, and the type of real estate, right? Like, so like right. industrial right now is on fire. I mean – Um, It's incredibly expensive to go buy an industrial building. But again, on the flip side is if your business is doing well and you can, you know, as a, as a percentage, uh, you know, of your occupancy cost to sales, if it makes sense, then, you know, it's like, it's like buying a house. It's your home. You're going to live there and, you know, markets are going to go up and down. Values are going to go up and down. But if you can lock in a, a mortgage rate and you know that that's, a healthy rate and it's sustainable, then Mm -hmm. it's okay if the value of the real estate goes up and down because you're into it, you know, with kind of a long-term play. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're also, if it's a, you know, it's a uh, fully amortized loan, you know, if the rate is only fixed for 10 years, you're paying down the principal, right? So you're starting to pay down the balance on that loan, which means that you're building equity. Um, and if you ever sell the business down the road, you know you can hold on to the real estate and do a sale mm-hmm. lease back, which which is how a lot of investors make money um is they leverage the business, build the business up to you know some point, sell it on you know some multiple, and then keep the real estate and lease the real estate back to the you know whoever it is that they sold the business to we We actually just had a client that did that they had a um it was a daycare um and uh, they had a number of locations. They sold it to a big, big company that's nationwide. They kept the real estate. They leased the real estate to the company that they sold the business to. Then they turned around and sold the the leased real estate as an investment sale. Oh,
0: wow. Um,
2: you know, and with cap rates being super low, you know, they, they, they did incredibly well, right? So they kind of got yeah. the... You know, a double whammy. They sold the business at, at a great multiple because right now, um, you know, multiples on businesses for the most part are, are, you know, at an all-time high. And then they turned around and they sold the real estate at a really low cap rate and made a killing. And then they exchanged yeah. into, um, you know, some more stable uh, assets that, you know, that, that they felt more comfortable with long-term, you know, versus single tenant. And that's their retirement. And they mm-hmm. just keep, you know, they they live off the cash flow.
1: So that. As, as you're listening to Greg, this tells you exactly why you need to have that commercial real estate broker as one of your trusted advisors. Uh, because the average person, Greg doesn't, they wouldn't know to, plan it out that way so that they would benefit, um, they would be able to benefit the most from that property. So having someone like yourself to advise them through this, it, it it's definitely, it, I think it would be a requirement. i tell you what, Greg, I need to take a real quick commercial break. And you've shared some great stories with us. But If you have another nugget when we come back, maybe you can share that with us.
2: Sure. Sounds good.
1: Very good. So, folks, we're going to take a real quick commercial break, and we'll be back with more on commercial real estate. Hey folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Byastedos here. My guest is Greg Aguirre. He is the president of Commercial um, of C- Capital River Commercial Real Estate. So when we broke for commercial break, um, I asked Greg if you happen to have some another nugget or another story that you could share with us.
2: Yeah, I wanted to dig kind of a little bit more uh, into the sale east back concept because. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've had a number of clients that have been able to grow their their business um, pretty substantially by usul- utilizing the sale leaseback model. Um, so I kind of wanted to explain that a little bit more and how they use that that model to grow their business and, and generate more capital. Um, so, so essentially, uh, to break it down, um, you know what a sale leaseback is, and and there's a lot of companies that do this is that they own uh, the, they own the real estate. So, if, say for example, I'm a, uh, I'm just going to use uh, Dunkin' Donuts. I'm a Dunkin' Donuts franchisee. I, um, you know, I lease a couple of locations. You know, just your traditional tenant landlord relationship. But then I also, I own some locations. You know, whether it's um, freestanding or multi-tenant. Um, but for this example, let's just say it's freestanding, and uh, I own the physical real estate. I also operate the business as a franchisee for Dunkin' Donuts, and I decide I need to raise more capital because I'm making a ton of money as a franchisee running this business. I want to open more locations. Um, I could go to the bank, but I don't really want to do that, or, or maybe I'm going to do that, but I also need additional capital, so I'm going to sign a lease with myself. So Dunkin' Donuts Franchisee as the business. I'm going to sign a lease with myself because I also own the real estate. I'm the landlord um, You know you create another entity and You structure it. Let's just say it's a 15 year lease um, And it's important to, again as you would mentioned that you bring on the right Real estate uh, broker and advisor to help you structure that lease to generate the most value, but also uh, Remember you're going to be now um, Beholden to this lease agreement. So you want to make sure that it's something that you can live by and that your business is going to continue to be successful Um, You're also going to have to probably guarantee the lease in order to to provide as much value in that lease agreement So that could look like a number of um, You know, it could be structured a number of different ways and look differently You know, it could be a, a personal guarantee for the entirety of the lease. It could be a guarantee by the company in the business operations depending on the strength of it and in some cases you can actually um, get a guarantee from the franchisor um, you know in most cases you have to pay for that but you in know in, in in a lot of situations um, you know what you pay for that that lease guarantee from the franchisor um, can be very valuable so so you create a lease with yourself you structure it in a way that this lease agreement works for the business. You know, you're know, you gonna be able to make the lease payments and, and you're comfortable with it. But the lease also is, 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 is what I would consider more of a bondable lease, right? So investors you know, wanna buy it, which means they're gonna pay more for it. And so now you take your real estate um, out to the net lease investment market and you sell it as a sale lease back with this lease in place. And you can generate a substantial amount of capital. I mean, in a lot of cases, um, you know, people pay 70% more than what the actual physical real estate is worth itself because of this lease agreement in place, and because there's a strong brand, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's leasing the space in the real estate. So you go sell it to an investor. Now you're a, a tenant, and you have a landlord. The investor is now your your landlord, right? but you took that additional profit that you generated just by signing a lease with yourself. And now you can go take that and go open another, um, Mm -hmm. operation, you know, and and expand your portfolio, or you take that capital, and you go buy another piece of real estate Mm -hmm. and you lease from yourself that real estate and you do it again. Right. And you do it over and over again. And so you're, you're generating this additional, uh, source of capital, By simply signing a lease with yourself, which seems kind of crazy, but it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of a lot of business owners are able to grow their, their franchise portfolio significantly through sale leasebacks and a lot of big companies. I mean, even publicly traded companies, you know, will utilize sale leasebacks to generate capital to grow their business. So it's something that, that business owners should definitely take a look at particularly if they own already own the real estate or they're looking at acquiring the real estate It's just you know what what would a sale leaseback scenario look like for them and how uh it does it make sense for them to use that as a tool to generate capital to grow their business or grow their you know real estate holdings
1: yeah yeah you know in my commercial I talked about I talk about um creating a legacy And this is the way it's done, isn't it, Greg? This is the way creating that generational wealth, that um, leaving a legacy to your family. This is one of the ways that that is doable, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, particularly, right, if you're looking at kind of, you know, estate planning and maybe you've got, Mm -hmm. you know, um, know, children and you don't know if they want to take over your business and run the day-to-day operations. You know, that security for them could be the physical real estate, right? So you sell the business, but now you've got this real estate, which is a legacy asset that you can then keep in the family forever, right? Um, You know, or you you sell the real estate as part of the business and you exchange into something, um, you know, that that you keep in the portfolio. You you do a 1031 exchange and now that's that's in the family, you know, portfolio and you've created, you know, legacy wealth, right? Um, Right. I mean, that's how a lot of these uh, these incredibly wealthy families, it's been generational wealth, and they're just passing it along. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you could use, you know, the franchise model to help generate that leg- legacy wealth.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Greg. I'll tell you what—we're getting close to the end of the show here. If someone's listening and you've really piqued their interest and maybe um, shown them another way of investing, and they'd like to know more about Capital River, where would they find more information about you and the service that Capital River offers?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, first, I would say uh, start by checking out our website, which is uh, www capital rivers which is c-a-p-i-t-a-l-r-i-v-e-r-s dot com and you can uh, contact us there we've got information on on all of our various services and we've also got a lot of resources available that are all free Um, you can also give us a call at 916-514-5225 again 916-514-5225 and uh you can ask for myself, uh, Greg Aguirre, um, you know, or any of our other advisors here in the office, and and they'd all be happy to help. And um, you know, we just love providing information and helping people. Um, you know, so happy to do that. Uh, even if uh, you know, ultimately, you know, hopefully we get to work together. But um, you know, if we're able to help, that that's great. And uh, you can also send me an email um, at Greg, G-R-E-G at capitalrivers.com and um, we'll make sure that you're taken care of and and uh, help you kind of navigate everything
1: wonderful greg thanks so much for being on the show today i really appreciate it you certainly opened up my eyes and um, brought some ideas and concepts and approaches to the table that i've not considered, and many of my listeners will certainly benefit from that. So again, thanks so much for being on the show today.
2: Yeah, I loved it. This was a blast and and appreciate it very much. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: So folks, I hope you were taking notes. If not, you can certainly listen to the show, the recording of the show, because there was so much information packed into what Greg was saying. And planning ahead is more than just planning for the next step, and maybe that next step for you is to purchase a franchise. Well, you might want to think five years out, 10 years out. That's the way that this wealth building, this generational wealth, this leaving a legacy That's the way that's done, is looking further down your financial path and planning for that. So as always, I'm going to leave you with a quote. The quote goes like this, I have always liked real estate. I guess I just naturally like the good earth and see it as the foundation of all our wealth. Interestingly enough, this is a quote by Jesse Jones he is the founder of Texas Commerce Bank, which is now JPMorgan Chase. So even he knew back then that the real estate, that real estate is the foundation of all our wealth. Take that into consideration when you make your decisions coming up, folks. Thanks so much for joining me today on All Thing Franchising, and I'll see you next time.